How's your weekend been? I'm going to take that as okay. Hey, welcome to Portico Church, and welcome if you're joining us from home. My name is Jason Connor, lead pastor of Portico Church. We are in Romans 8. We'll be in verses 5 through 8 today, and we're going to be talking about something that I think every one of us experiences. We'll be talking about a distracted life. We'll be talking about your focus. So here's some data that you might resonate with us. 25% of you apparently have had a walking while texting incident. Anybody brave enough? Yes? Yeah, okay. 25% of us. Not only that, if you haven't experienced that, the average person on that same phone has access to or receives 100 texts per day and about 50 notifications, things that notify you through the same phone. That's 150 interruptions. So living a distracted life is what's happening. The text isn't, this is not a, a distraction redemption story. It's not going to say, don't be distracted. It's going to be, say, distracted by the right thing. So all of us live a distracted life. There's a book that I read a few years ago. It's a great book. Uh, it's called Deep Work. I don't know if any of you have read it. It's by Cal Newport. Uh, he is a professor over at Georgetown University. I think he is in the computer science department. I think he's associate uh, professor there. But anyway, great book. And it, the whole idea of the book is that we don't know how to concentrate anymore. Forget about contemplation. We can't even concentrate at work. We don't have the mechanics anymore to actually do a deep dive on our work, and therefore productivity suffers. Well, I'm going to read you a quote out of his book because he quotes Winifred Gallagher, and she is a scientist and a researcher, and she actually was researching uh, this idea of focus, and she actually get, she got cancer. And during her research, she found out that just in her own life, her circumstances weren't really what was setting her mood and setting her appreciation of life, or even setting how her day went. It was what she was focusing on. So how she focused on the rest of her day, whether she chose to focus on the fact that she was sick, or whether she chose to focus on the fact that she was going to meet friends later that day and have some fun together. That completely transformed her research. Let me just read a quick um, quote out out of this book from Gallagher. It says, Who you are and what you think Feel and do what you love is the sum of what you focus on. One more time. Who you are, what you think, feel, and do, what you love is the sum of what you focus on. That's dangerous if that's true. Or, according to the text, really, really good. So everybody has focus. It's one of the greatest assets that you have, and how you're aiming your focus is going to lead your life. And we see two things in this text, the flesh and the spirit. And if we choose to set our minds on the spirit of God, if we choose to put our focus there, this will lead us to, yes, distraction, but we're distracted by the spirit and we'll be focused on power that God gives us to live out the call. He gives us peace and joy. So this, yes, we're called to find our focus. This is something every one of us experiences. 
And I'm just, I'm I'm kind of amazed at how the text deals with a distracted life. So we're going to walk through that. And the the pressure of the text today is for you and I to find our focus. Now, we've been walking through Romans in chapter 8. And the big idea of Romans, just so we remember, is that the Apostle Paul's not ashamed of the gospel in Romans 1.16 because he knows that it is the power of God unto salvation for all that who believe. So what we're trying to discern here in Romans chapter 8, because it really is a great summary of the whole book, is what does it look like to apply that power in your life in real time? If we've understood, first and foremost, we have got to understand this truth of the gospel, that our rightness or our righteousness before God is is because we are released or liberated from the law of God. We get this through faith. So the weight of the law is off of us. Not that it doesn't matter, because it does, but it's been taken on by Christ. So how do we apply that? And today we're going to talk about finding your focus. Three movements we see in this text today. There's probably more, but we're going to pull three out. In other words, how do we find our focus? First, you have to fight your flesh. We'll talk about what that means. Secondly, that will lead you to follow the Spirit because you can't just reject these desires and appetites in the flesh without embracing something else, so we follow the Spirit. And lastly, we should experience peace. We should feel peace. It's not going to be perfect, but this relationship that we have with God through faith in Christ should yield peace in our life as we aim our focus on fighting that flesh, following the Spirit of God. So we're going to walk through that together. I'm going to jump right in. Uh, I'm going to actually read from the beginning of chapter 8 because I think it's helpful, but we're going to be covering verses 5 through 8. So here we go. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, here we go, but according to the Spirit. How does that work out? Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds, focus, on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind in the flesh is death, but to set the mind in the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in great need. We come with an expectation that whatever we've experienced this week, highs, lows, whatever it's been, we will be overwhelmed and completely distracted by the glory of God that is in this text. Lord, would you overcome us with your word? Would you bless us with that? Would you open up your word that we might behold its beauty this morning? And we ask this in the name of Christ. Amen. You're going to leave here distracted. The choice is by what? So find your focus. Find your focus. First, you got to fight the flesh. So let's understand what that means. 
Well, the idea between this, this war between the flesh and the spirit, it's a war, uh, is this. You are, when the flesh is influencing you, you are actually choosing to live in a world that you no longer belong to. Do you see that? That's how the flesh works. Because don't make this mistake that you're kind of neutral, and then there's the Spirit of God and the Word of God over here, and there's the flesh over here and all that's wrong, and I'm kind of in the middle, and I'm getting pulled back and forth. That is not what's happening. What the Apostle Paul is saying right here in chapter 8, no, you are either in the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of light. You are living in the flesh or you're living in the Spirit. If you're in Christ, if you're trusting in Christ, you are actually in the Spirit. Yet we still feel the war of the flesh. Uh, It says we've been set free in Christ. What does that mean? No condemnation in Christ. That means first and foremost, like we said, you do not have bondage to sin. You are no longer in bondage. Uh, That is so important for us to understand. Secondly, we don't have the weight of the law on our life. In other words, we are not measured by our adherence to the law. The law is good, right? But we are measured by our faith in Christ. He has accomplished it for us. And that means this, you're a citizen of a new world. You've got to understand this is an issue of citizenship. And we are so tempted to run back and live in a world that we no longer belong to. Now, since you're a new citizen, since you're a new creature in Christ, that means a few things. That means you have new life. Uh, It's been given to you. You've been boarding in, as Scripture says. You have new life by the Spirit of God. Secondly, you have a new Lord. You're no longer in bondage to sin. Now you belong to the living God, and the Spirit of God exercises that rule in our lives through the Word of God. You have a new love. You have new desires, maybe that are completely brand new to you in faith. In your heart of hearts, you actually, as the text says, you actually want to please God. You want God to be pleased with your life. These are new things. And finally, you have a new loyalty. Hey, you, you see the law of God, um, Scripture, not as something that condemns you now, but as a guide, as something that you actually delight in. So fighting the flesh, you need to understand that the flesh is pulling you back to a world that you no longer belong to anymore. So verse 5 says this, It says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds um, on the things of the Spirit. So you need to understand there's two stories being written here. So if we're fighting the flesh, if we're understanding the flesh is going to pull me back to desires and to things and to a world I no longer belong in, uh, you have to understand there's two stories. The story of the Spirit, the Ark of the Spirit, is a story of belonging. We see that the whole time. Through faith, you belong to God. But I don't feel like it. Okay, we'll get there, but by faith you belong to Him. The Spirit writes a story of belonging. The flesh is different. The flesh writes a story of becoming. You're always becoming something. I'm becoming a better person. I'm becoming something new. I'm becoming the person I want to be. I'm becoming a person that God could actually love. That is the arc of the flesh. You never actually get there, but you always find yourself in that story. The Spirit writes a completely different story. The Spirit says, no, no, you belong to God. You are an heir to the work of Christ, and yes, you will become new but it's, it's, that's not the main pressure in your life. The pressure is you belong. 
therefore you learn to walk in that righteousness, right? So it's a different story. It's a different arc. Understand that if you are focused on what you are not or who you, who you are becoming, you might be influenced by your flesh. So we're called to fight that. Now, what is the flesh? Because we said that word a lot of times. Last week, we described it as this. It's your, it's your native, innate commitment to self above everything else. It's your commitment to you. Now, you might say, well, I'm not that selfish of a person. You can actually be a very giving person and still be living in your flesh, uh, especially if you believe that your goodness gets you somewhere on your own. So just understand that. Your flesh always wants to be in charge. You might serve God and, and you know, think God's okay, but at the end of the day, you, will, you have got to maintain control of your life. That's all there is to it. That's, the, that's what the flesh will do. That's what the story says. You, you've got to maintain control. The flesh will never fully give up control of your life. That's how the flesh operates, always wanting to be in charge. And how that will work out in your life is you will start making conclusions and decisions based on culture and based on what people are telling you and based on what society expects of you instead of by the Spirit of God. That's how the flesh works. It's very insidious. So to find our focus, first and foremost, you, under, you need to remember how the flesh works and how the Spirit of God works. The Spirit is all about... Um, you, you belong to God through faith. The flesh is you're always becoming something never there, always becoming something never getting there. Um, and, and, and when you believe that, you will trip through life and end up on your face all the time because you're living in a world you no longer belong to. Do you guys remember Pokemon Go? Do you remember that? I'm not ashamed of it. Um, I think it came out like five years ago. It's an app on your phone. And it's virtual, or not virtual, it's augmented reality. So if you pull up the app, like I actually was told last Sunday that this is, uh, or last service, this is a Pokemon stop, our churches. So if you were playing Pokemon Go, you would look through your phone and it's the camera, and it's like, oh, there's a Charizard right there. Or, you know, there's, um, I don't even know the name of them. So, and you would go catch them. The point is, when this was very popular, people were running around, they were crossing streets like this and like getting hit by cars, and it was very dangerous because they were living and making decisions in a world that did not exist. They do not belong to that world because it's not real. The flesh will trick you into living your life for yourself at the expense of knowing God, and you, and you think that's okay. So fight the flesh. Are your circumstances, your emotions, your desires, are they making, are you making sense of your life through those or through what God is telling you? So find your focus. First, fight the flesh. Second, follow the Spirit. So verse 6 says this, and we're going to define that. It goes on to say, For to set the mind in the flesh is death, but to set the mind in the Spirit is life and peace. So what does the text mean when it says setting your mind? It's a mindset. It's an outlook. It's a perspective. It's a lens. It's how you see your life and life in general. So when we're called to set our mind on the Spirit, it's not just on things 
or do the right thing, or the Spirit of God's calling me to love that person. That is true. That is yielding to the Spirit. That's being influenced by the Spirit. But it's actually more than that. It's a mindset. It's a view. For instance, if you went and you stayed in your, fa- your favorite vacation place back when we did that, and you were in a hotel, and maybe you know that on the 30th floor, this one room faces the ocean, and it's awesome, and you love it. But you get there, and you give, they give you like the fourth floor, and you're facing the parking lot. It's a different experience. It's a different perspective. And depending on how much time you spend in your room, these days it would probably be a lot, it's going to change your entire experience, period. It's the same way with the Spirit of God, giving you a lens to understand who you are and what life is all about. So it's a perspective. What is that perspective? What is that lens? It's all about belonging. So if you understand the lens of the Spirit, if you understand what it means to to set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you're not living your life to earn something before God. You're not living your life to belong. You're living your life because you belong. And that leads you to worship instead of despair. So it's belonging. What does that mean? A few things. No condemnation. As Texas said that several times. Uh, Secondly, no isolation. We're called to walk by the Spirit. You can't walk by the Spirit if you're by yourself. God is with you in that. So no condemnation, no isolation. As we get to the end of Romans 8, chapter 38, it's going to say no separation. Neither life nor death, nothing is going to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We'll get there, but you can know that now. So looking through that lens into your life, Discerning what's happening, discerning life around you requires setting your mind on the Spirit, and here's what that means. The outcome of your life is solely and entirely dependent on God's love for you, period. Anything that you experience, circumstances, decisions you're making, it, it all wraps around God's love for you. If you understand your life that way, and you understand how you're living that way. It changes your life. We're called to set our mind on the Spirit. Now, the Spirit of God is going to lead you somewhere. The Spirit of God will always lead you, this is so ironic, to God's law. You're like, wait a minute, I thought we were freed from the weight of the law. You are. Why? Christ kept it for you. Christ bore the wrath that was due us, right? To set the mind on the flesh is death. Jesus actually set his mind on life and received death for us, okay? But why would the Spirit of God lead us to the law? Because the Spirit of God will always put the spotlight on Christ and on what God loves. That's the law of God. So how do we sum that up? Maybe the Ten Commandments, uh, that's a good place to start. Loving God, loving others. So the Spirit of God will lead you to not to delight in the law of God and live it out in real time. What's an example of that? Well, here's one. Acts 20 says it's better or more blessed to give than receive. The Spirit of God is going to influence you or set your mind on that, and you might find yourself giving to someone more than you can afford or spending time or loving someone because you know the Spirit has convinced you that God is your treasure and you will never be forsaken. So I can spend, I can give. Or when I look, I just read this this morning. This is in Psalm 112. How about this? Psalm 112, verse 7. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid. Who needs that? 
How much bad news are you hearing? If we're setting our mind on the Spirit of God, it's not going to define us, and we're, it's not going to pull our focus because we've heard good news. We have good news that's in Christ. That's what gospel means that eclipses every bad news that I'm going to hear today. The Spirit will lead you there. It will make you delight in what God loves in His law, and you will live that out because you have everything in Him. So finding your focus first, you've got to understand the fight between the flesh and the Spirit. You've got to fight it, but you gotta, you're going to do that by following the Spirit of God. Lastly, you're going to feel God's peace. We always want to jump to this, right? Because who doesn't want to feel good? <sighs> but we never want to trust God for it. Um, you know what kills peace? Well, war, obviously. But the text uses a different word, hostility. Hostility kills peace. I say this a lot, so you're going to think that Christy and I fight all the time on vacation, but we don't. But if you ever go on vacation with a spouse or even a roommate or a friend, I'm telling you, you're going to have the vacation fight. Someday I'm going to write a book on it. Everybody has it, and just get it out of the way. I don't know why it happens, but it's probably because you're in the car, you're by yourself, you're out of your normal environment, and you just start having a fight about something that's really weird. Uh, But if that fight goes sideways and there's no reconciliation, I don't care where you are on this earth, if it's your favorite spot in the world, if it's just this side of paradise, you are going to have a miserable existence on vacation because of that hostility, period. So this matters because your circumstances do not have the power to create peace in your life. And the text says, when we set our minds on the flesh, we experience hostility with God because we refuse to submit to Him. That's the flesh at work, right? We refuse to submit to His law. No, I got it. The whole point of the gospel is reconciliation with God. We are meant to, the Spirit wants you to feel that in real time. And the way you do that is everything the text tells us. Fight the flesh, focus on the Spirit of God, right? Follow Him and you will feel the peace of God in real time. I don't care who you are, how good your life is going. If you are not trusting, if you don't believe that you're reconciled to God, that he loves you, not just in general specifically, and that you can stand before him without judgment in Christ, you're not going to have peace. You're going to be seeking peace, but you're not going to have it. And I don't care how bad things are. If you're convinced of that by the Spirit of God, you're going to have some form of peace. You, might unbe- you still might be unhappy because of circumstances, but you're going to have a foundation nobody can pull the rug out from under you. You're going to have a confidence that's supernatural. Friends, if you don't know Christ, if you're still trying to figure this gospel thing out, this is one of the reasons why you, you, can't, you cannot hold on to peace, because you're not reconciled to God. See, Christ reconciled. He takes on our sin. He takes on that death that we deserve. He lives according to the law in faith, and his resurrection open, just kicks open the door and opens up access to you, to us, to God, through faith. There's peace in that. So we're called to feel God's peace. So let's get really practical for a minute. I want to I show this. 
what it looks like to, to find your focus, to find it, to be distracted by the Holy Spirit here. Uh, so we're going to play a little game. You guys like games? A lot of kids in the first service, they, they were digging it. Uh, you guys watch Jeopardy? Yeah, okay. Well, I do because I'm old. So uh, Jeopardy is fun, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, I'm going to put a statement up on the board, and I'm going to say, is that, are you being influenced by the flesh or the spirit? Are you focusing on the flesh or on the spirit? And then we'll answer, okay? So let's go to the first one, shall we? The first one says, I should adjust my plans to help this person. Is your mind set on the flesh or on the spirit? Uh, excuse me, what is the spirit? Yes, spirit of God will lead you to do things you didn't plan. Amazing. Sometimes God plans things for us that we didn't plan, and the Spirit of God opens that door for us. Yes, good, good, good. Second, information that causes me pain can't be true for me. Is your mind set on the flesh, or is your mind set on the Spirit? What is flesh? That sounds so wrong. Yes, this is true. This is, this is true, friends. Many times we grieve the Holy Spirit or quench the Holy Spirit because we will follow God until God asks me to do something either I don't believe or I don't want to do or it causes me pain. Like, I don't want to reconcile with that person. You know, they hurt me badly or, or I feel really embarrassed. I don't, this is going to cause me embarrassment. I don't want to do that or I don't want to, understand, I don't want to think I'm a sinner. Who wants that? And so we will, we will yield to the flesh when the Spirit leads us down that road. Good. Three. You guys are good at this. I should take my feelings to God even before I understand them myself. Are you setting your minds on the flesh or on the Spirit? Yes, but many of us can't make sense of our emotions, and so we pull back from God. We push back on the Holy Spirit until we can figure it out, and only then will I pray. No. Listen to the Spirit. Spirit's going to drag you to the throne room. And so you're not going to understand it. Sit here. Sit here with the Lord. Good. Number four, God helps those who help themselves. Setting your mind in the flesh or setting your mind in the spirit? Did, did you feel that delay? You're like, oh, flesh. No. The spirit's never going to lead you to believe that. God saves those who surrender themselves, Period. If you believe you're going to organize your life in such a way that God will love you, you're not understanding the gospel. Number five, God is entirely pleased with me because I'm in Christ through faith. Is that focusing on the flesh or focusing on the spirit? Good. Yes. Yes. God is pleased with me in Christ. Could that be true? Is that some trick? No, no, you're in Christ. He sees you. He's pleased with you. And as the text says, he's leading you to please him in real time. And that's called worship. That's called love. So what are you focusing on? Have you found your focus? What are you putting your eyes and your energy and your thoughts on? Listen to this one more time. Who you are, what you think, feel, and do, what you love is the sum of what you focus on. So what are you focusing on? See, Jesus, even to the last moment, he was focusing on the Spirit of God, told God the Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, and he was about to, to go somewhere he'd never been before, which is separation from God, bearing the weight of sin. And he got death for that, 
for us, for you, that we might focus, that we might be distracted by the Spirit of God. That, the Spirit of God wants your business, wants you to focus on Him, focus on the Word of God. So where is your focus? Are you living distracted by the Spirit of God? This is our call today. I'm working on it. I haven't figured it out. But if we're going to understand the gospel, if we're going to walk through Romans 8 together, we must be distracted by the Spirit of God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, that you love us, that you provide for us, that you give us everything that we need. And I pray, God, that you would help us in this church to find our focus, to fight the flesh, to to follow the Spirit of God in real time and to see that and feel that peace, Lord, that you have for us in Christ. That's our prayer. So we thank you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.